Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rink Rat Report podcast. The Leafs just finished up their West Coast swing playing Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton this past week. We're going to do some Leafs Week in Review, but first, we're going to take a look at the playoff picture because there's going to be movement pretty much up until game 82. Uh, we're going to take a look at some other news and notes around the league, um, who's doing what kind of thing. Uh, to start, uh, Marc Andre Fleury passed Jacques Plante for eighth all time in wins on Saturday. Uh, Golden Knights beat the Vancouver Canucks, which I think this really does raise a pretty decent question. And I think there's going to be people on uh, opposite sides on this one. Is the Flower a Hall of Famer? I mean, at the end of his Pittsburgh tenure, I wouldn't really say so. I mean, the three Stanley Cups, but. Well, we'll give him a Stanley Cup and a half. Um, but a lot of ups and downs in his career. He was the first overall pick in 2003. was trending steadily upwards up until when the Penguins won the Stanley Cup there. But after that, I mean, and until the until the Penguins won, went back-to-back Stanley Cups, he was wildly inconsistent, just not reliable in the playoffs. Uh they didn't know there was times in the playoffs where they just didn't know if they were going to be able to play him i mean and thomas volkun came in thomas volkun even challenged him for his job uh, it's been a wildly up and down career for flurry and i think as of right now it's it's a pretty decent question i would say yes personally what he did with that golden knights team last year was stupendous i think he had a close to a 930 save percentage made it all the way to the stanley cup final i mean that's not that's not easy to do and if you're going to give okay a cup and a half he's been to the finals total in his career including being a backup that's 5 now four with pittsburgh one where they lost detroit they beat detroit and then the back to back cups there plus the golden knights one Five cup finals. I mean, eighth overall in wins. The Flowers a Hall of Famer to me. And I think he's going to make his case stronger with a little playoff run with the Knights, possibly, perhaps, this year. And maybe he's signed for three more years after this one. So it's a pretty interesting discussion, I think, that you could have with someone that's very familiar with Marc-Andre Fleury and how he did in uh, Pittsburgh. Moving on from that... Um, just want to highlight the Tampa Bay Lightning. What the hell kind of cheat code team is this? They're 15 points above any other team in the in the NHL. They're led by Nikita Kucherov, who 13 games left has 110 points. Are you kidding me? I mean, I think he could hit Crosby's. Crosby has the record from 06-07 up until now. I'm excluding that year after the lockout because that was just... I mean, you step on the ice, you get a point pretty much where uh, Joe Thornton won the Art Ross that year with 125, which uh, he could probably challenge that too. 13 games left. Is Nikita Kucherov going to be achieved the highest scoring season in the NH- post-lockout NHL? I think that's a pretty good discussion. I think he could tie Joe Thornton at 125 personally. I mean... This team does not look like they have any quit in them. Uh, they're, they've already clinched a playoff spot, which is just an absolute joke. Uh, hardly any teams have been knocked mathematically eliminated yet, and this team's already clinched a playoff spot. 
So they're going to be a tough one to knock off. Andre Vasilevsky is going to be heavily discussed for the Vesna between him, Ben Bishop, and uh, obviously Fred X has got to be in that one too. Uh, those are the three highest goals saved above average. That's why I threw those three names out there. Um, but yeah, what an absolute joke that team is. It's going to be pretty interesting what happens after this year as Braden Point needs to get paid. And that kid's just buzzing the past two years. And he he deserves almost as much as Marner, I think. If not, the same amount. Because he's, he's ripping it up. So decisions got to be made there, but I mean, until then they're gonna just fucking they're gonna they're gonna be gunning for a cup spot. I can guarantee that. And if they don't, that's gonna be pretty hilarious. I'm not gonna lie. So now let's take a look at the playoff picture. What we got here? Columbus is finally back in. Uh, Yarmo could take I don't know a, a sip of fresh air. We'll call it because not you're not. You haven't clinched yet. You're actually tied in points with the Montreal Canadiens, but finally they're they're above that line. They're above the playoff line. They're in it right now, but it, it's it's getting it's close in the East. Oh man, I think I think it's gonna stick to what we have now. Hopefully Philadelphia makes it really interesting. Just continues to win and really muddles the playoff picture there. But right now I think the teams that are in the playoffs right now in the East. So that's Columbus, Pittsburgh, Toronto, Boston, Tampa, Carolina, Islanders, Washington are the ones that are going to stick there. I don't think Montreal is going to make it personally. They just, they're not hot and they're really relying on Gary Price right now, which it'll be interesting to see if he can, can he get it done? It's pretty much all lying up on him. They've fallen. They were, look, if you were asking them a month ago, they were in a playoff spot. It was looking healthy, but... I mean, this, this is why this league is so great. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of parity within it. Moving over to the West, um, and you're just the one glaring team there. The Yotes are one point out. They have a game in hand on Minnesota, and they're one point out. Two points back of Dallas. So, that's, this is, I mean... I think St. Louis has pulled away enough. Vegas has clearly pulled away enough. So right now between the Avalanche, the Rotes, the Wild, and the Stars, it's just going to be an absolute dogfight until game 82 hits. And so pretty much every day you're going to be checking the standings because on both sides it's it's looking to be a pretty damn good playoff race. Uh, one funny thing that actually happened today, the Panthers leapfrogged. The Panthers, a team that's supposed to be kind of tanking right now and moving for a gun for a better draft pick just leapfrogged the sabers who were considered a wagon not uh, half a season ago damn how times change i mean i don't doubt buffalo's gonna be back and pretty strong next year I mean, they got an all right roster they got some good young talent there but for this year yeah you gotta sit back and ask yourself what happened you don't have as strong as team as the Leafs. That's all I'm going to throw out there. But, yeah, what happened after that 10-game winning streak? Yikes. Um, that's all that I'm going to say for the playoff picture. Uh, on the West, I'm going to give my picks. Um, I mean, Minnesota's gotten a little hot lately. I'd really like to see the Yotes make it in. I think that would be pretty funny. I mean, they don't play the most exciting style of game. But 
for how many man games uh, games missed that this team has had due to injury, I'd love to see them make the playoffs. So I'm going to put the Yotes in along with Stars and the other teams that are in there. Vegas, Calgary, San Jose, St. Louis, Nashville, Winnipeg. So throwing my hat in, I think the Yotes are going to make it. Knock on wood so I don't jinx anything. But there's a little look at the, the playoff picture there. Uh, other notes that I wanted to throw out there. The Bruins hit 19 straight games with a point. Uh, they're right now slated. I mean, they're the second best team in the league right now, points-wise. The third best team is actually the Leafs, and it looks like they're going to be playing each other in the first round of the playoffs. I know you're trying to build. I, I, I can go into this for days. I know you're trying to build rivalries or whatever. That's kind of ridiculous that the second and third best team in the league are playing each other in the first round of the playoffs. But I mean, you got to beat the best if you're gonna if you're gonna win if you're gonna take home the ultimate prize. Um, the question that I wanted to throw out there is: anyone in Lee Station extremely worried about the Bruins? My thoughts on this are, are as such. The Leafs have been a notoriously slow starting team this year. We've seen it way too many times. If they come out slow like they did last year, it's going to be tough to win. In the first period, if they come out slow, it's going to be tough to win games in Boston like that. Getting outshot 15-2 by Edmonton is is not going to work in the playoffs and it's going to be really tough to overcome a one nothing two nothing deficit after the first period in the playoffs on the road. So that's just one thing. They they really got to stop with these slow starts moving into the playoffs. They got to build I don't know, something's got to change there when they're starting the game. Whether that's you change up the lineups and you put the fourth line out there to start or something. Like you can't be coming in as slow as they have. In the first round of the playoffs like that on the road. You're just going to get slaughtered. My other thoughts on this. I think the Leafs can 1000% beat Boston. I think that their forward depth is terrific. They just they, they only got better over the summer. I mean John Tavares. Are you kidding me? I know they lost JVR Bozak. But who cares? This team is. Kapanen has emerged as a solid offensive threat. Janssen's emerged as a solid offensive threat. And they've got so many options of guys who can score. It's going to be real tough. And then Frederick Anderson in net, who's just been a stud. The studliest of all studs back there. So I think Boston should be a little bit worried about this blue and white team coming coming into the playoffs. Uh, if I were to pick, yeah, at least in six, I'd say in that one. This is this is the year they they get over the hump. Um, but yeah, so before I get into Leafs Week in review, couple prospects signed. I don't think Korshkov is official yet, but it's looking like they are going to sign him, uh, and as well as Mac Hollowell. So Hollowell, I actually got to see a good amount in the playoffs last year in his championship round against the uh, the Bulldogs. I have gotten a decent look at him this year as well. He's a small defenseman, but man, this guy can skate. I he's, he, I don't think he could. He does not look like he is standing in over 160 pounds. There's I, I, I find that really hard to believe. And if he is, he's listed at 170. 
So I, I think he just stepped on the scale and he had a bunch of sand in his pockets or something. Or they put uh, lead in his shoes. Because he looks pretty thin out there. But he's an incredible skater. I really like the way that he's able to skate the puck up the ice. And he's able to use his skating ability in the offensive zone stupendously. I mean, this guy, when he's on the point there, you're not just worried, is he going to shoot, is he going to pass? He's going to drive the net, and he's going to get himself into a good spot, a high-danger scoring spot, to, uh, to just rip one. He's got 23 tucks this year from the back end, 73 points, leads all of the OHL. But, I mean, I do like Dursey a little better. I'm sorry to say that. So, small defenseman, uh, the limitations that I do have on him are that, I mean, the size is a bit of an issue. Uh, it's going to be tough to defend forwards in the NHL. I mean, look at who we got up there. Look at like Wayne Simmons. How are you going to pair Mac Hollowell, 170 pounds, against Wayne Simmons? He's just going to truck you. You're not going to be able to get any leverage on him in front of the net. It's just going to be tough to defend someone like that. So he's got to add a little bit of size to him. Uh, I'm not sure his vision is exactly stupendous. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan. He doesn't pass the puck up the ice incredibly well. But I'm not against this. I do like this signing. I mean, fourth round last year, decent spot. I think that there is some good offensive talent to this kid, which means that there is some pretty good potential with him i don't expect him to touch the nhl for or even be in consideration for a, another couple of years but there there's something there with him and that's why i like this signing and also shocker he plays for the sioux st marie greyhounds and for anyone who lives under a rock or is just straight up oblivious to life um kyle dubas kind of likes the greyhounds yeah so moving on to the next player that they signed yegor korshkov now i don't it's not that i don't like korshkov not at all nothing against the guy could be a great guy for all i know however and i'm not even against his style of play not against that at all however when you look at when this guy was drafted, where this guy was drafted, it boils my blood. Because this is not a, oh, hindsight is twenty twenty. Okay, I get that. But there was so many other guys that were just unanimously ranked better than him that are currently in the NHL or are very close to being in the NHL. For like, Here's a couple names we'll throw out there. Alex DeBrincat, 39th overall, 8 spots after Korshkov. There was no secret that this guy was good. Three years in a row in the OHL, 100 points. Before his draft year, 100 points. He was ranked by a lot of people as a first-round pick. But no, we needed to go with Yegor Korshkov. Oh, and another thing, DeBrincat is a full year younger than Korshkov, too. And how did Korshkov do this past year? Five points in 19 KHL games. How do you do? Another name we'll throw out there. Sam Girard. 
A lot of people didn't like him because of his size. Well, he put up over a point per game in the queue in his draft year as a defenseman. And now he's an absolute stud on the back end for the the Avalanche. He was drafted by the Flyers. I mean, the, the Predators in that one. There's another swing and a miss. One other guy that I had ranked in the first round that year that went in the second round was Jordan Cairo. Went 35, four spots back of him. Hasn't been the greatest in the NHL this year. Three points in 16 games. But a lot of people have seen that this kid has game. He's got physical talent too. 10 points in 7 World Junior games last year. 41 points in 42 AHL games this year. Keep the change. So, some other notable names. Carter Hart picked that. Dylan Dubé, who's been in and out of the NHL. Philip Horonich. And the list, that eh, doesn't go on, I would say. Victor Mate, that was one that went fourth round, but I, a lot of people had him second round ranked. Where was Korshkov ranked? I, I thought maybe he'd go fourth round. I didn't, to be honest, I hadn't even heard, not hadn't heard of him, but I didn't consider him to be a highly touted pick that year. He was 45th ranked amongst U- European skaters by NHL Central Scouting in 2015. 45 amongst European skaters. This guy, third, fourth round at least. And they picked him 31st, which is pretty much a first round pick. Ridiculous. I don't think they would have signed him if he was a seventh round pick because he hasn't done too, too much in the KHL that is really would have caught anyone's eye. 19 points in 36 games two years ago. Last year, 26 and 52. This year, 5 and 19 because he broke his leg. Ugh. Just, ugh. I mean, all the best to the kid. High hopes. Maybe he does something. He's big. He's a big boy. He's got some skill to his game, uh, but just I can't believe the guys that they were that were passed up on to pick him. So he'll be with the Marlies next year. Um, if he touches the East Coast League, I can see him terminating that contract and him going straight back to Yaroslavl, Russia. Uh, yeah, Yegor Korshkov, big boy, a little bit of skill to his game. Probably will bury a lot of pucks in or around the net. I haven't watched a ton of him, but it's kind of disappointing who we didn't pick with that one. Anywho, you can't change the past. So, let's move on to the present. Leafs Week in Review. So, I mean, a relatively easy week. I mean, the Oilers and the Canucks have not really turned heads for their fantastic performances on the ice this year. Uh, but the Flames. Flames have been really good this year. And it's I mean, the score would suggest that the Leafs slapped them. I think the Leafs got a little bit of luck there. But they did 100% outplay them in this game. I must say that. Uh, what I do like what the Flames have moving forward. They've got some... They've got some Pretty good young talent on the back end there. Rasmus Anderson threw a couple big hits to that kid. Um, Yusuf Alamaki, I like. Oliver Shillington and Noah Hannafin are all 
pretty young guys. I think Anderson's a late 96. Valimaki's a a 98 born and Shillington's a 97 born. And then Hannafin, a 97 born too. So, I mean, those are some pretty... That's some pretty good young talent that the Flames have on the back end there. And then they got their, obviously, their core guys right now that are pretty good. I mean, um, Hamannick's finally discovered that uh, he can play hockey decent at a decent level in the NHL at over 20 minutes a game. Because last year, I I, I don't know, I think he forgot or something. It was, it, it was in his car, and he forgot it. Uh, TJ Brody's a pretty good offensive talent there. Um, I think he had a couple decent muffins against the Leafs, but whatever. Uh, and then, obviously, Mark Giordano, just a timeless wonder. Fantastic guy. Works his ass off in the offseason. Uh, I stopped one of his shots once. I thought my thumb was going to fall off. So, that's my experience training with him. But, in this game, big surprise in this one was Tyler Ennis getting a hattie. Whew, are you kidding me? The fourth line was buzzing in this one. And the fourth line prior, like, from this game and back was looking terrific. I mean, Nick Patan scoring. Trevor Moore was on fire, too. I mean, it really helps to get that just, it's nine or ten minutes a game. But, holy, they were, they, they impressed. They made the most out of every minute. Um, other plays that obviously played well in this one. Mitch Marner. Oh, he made Zach Hyman look like a 50-goal scorer in this one, which... I think Hyman had two goals in this one, but Marner, I mean, let's, let's look at the Leafs' second goal. He intercepts the puck, breakaway, puts Riddich on his ass, tries to slip it five hole, nothing, and Hyman just, he does his job. No need to celebrate on that one because the mailman doesn't celebrate when he puts the mail in the mailbox. Oh, I almost forgot what that was for a second, what they called the mailbox for a second. That would have been silly of me, but... Yeah, I think the Leafs really, um, they did get some luck. I mean, that second goal, that Ennis' second goal, where it hits the skate, goes all the way up in the air, and then behind David Riddich there, hey, that was a little bit lucky. Um, Tyler Ennis' third goal was then just complete trash. I don't know, Riddich, I think he was expecting a pass on this one. He wasn't really expecting it to come at him, and then just a delayed reaction. It's in the back of the net. Um yeah, they got. I mean, the Leafs got some terrific performances from Ennis, Marner, Hyman, and Moore in this one. Um, but as I said, I don't think the Flames played as bad as the score would entail. They got some solid pressure and a bunch of chances. Austin Sarnik had like five. So I, I kid you not, I want five solid chances. I counted in this game. He just he couldn't buy a goal if they were on clearance. And I mean, David Riddich, a little bit of a tough game, but. That happens. The breaks just didn't go their way, I want to say. Um, I like how the Leafs got five goals between Hyman and Emmis. I mean, part grit, part uh, depth skill uh, on all five of those ones. Um, I'd say the Leafs did outplay the Flames in this one, but not by a, a four-goal margin. Uh, the Flames, you could, I, you could see in this game why they are in a playoff position and in the as secure of a playoff position as they are. I mean, Matthew Kachuk is just a fantastic player. Does all the right things. Even in front of the net. You see that through the legs goal? He's got some talent. And he's in a contract year. I can't wait to see what that number is going to be. 
Also, the Monahan Goudreau combination with Elias Lindholm. Holy, that guy, Elias Lindholm, just he's what was he? Cal, he must be smitten, just smitten that he's not in Carolina anymore, and he's playing with Monahan Goudreau because those guys can just zip the puck around the ice so well. But I mean, it just didn't go their way. In their home barn, too. It's a little bit of a slap to the nuts, I must say. Um, moving on to the uh, the Canucks game. The Leafs versus Canucks. I mean, the Leafs didn't get off to the best of best starts in this one. They were outshot pretty heavily. But I gotta say, the shots that they had, they made them count in this one. I mean, there was a couple good chances. Matthews had a couple great shots there. Kapanen came pretty close. That Markstrom it hit him. I don't think he knew where it went after that. Um, off off a rush on this one as well. Mitch Marner solid chance off a one timer as well. Another one where Marner just. I mean, they, we iced the puck. Marner just blows by the D. Gets a nice little chance in front. Cuts the other. Cuts the far side. But Markstrom again was there made a nice save uh so i mean they did lose the possession game in the first period they did lose the shot count but they made their chances count i mean they the chances that they got were pretty high danger ones i must say so not the greatest of starts as we've almost pretty much come to expect from this team but the second period what a start couple nice zone entries from Kapanen. Uh, wasn't able to convert, though. Nylander to Marlowe on the power play. Nice save made there by Markstrom. Um, and then this shorthanded goal. I mean, this had most of Leafs Nation in loops. Why? Because, well, Hainsey scored. Does once in a while. But he scored. Shorthanded. In front of their net. What are you doing there? He belonged... Hainsey belongs in front of the other team's net on a shorthanded chance. He belongs there like I belong in a bookstore. He just doesn't. And I just don't. It's called audiobooks yes, and movies. Get with the times. Um, but that was just an incredible play by Mitch Marner. I mean, he just showing off the patience, the skill, the hockey IQ where he just attacks the net. It looks like he was fully just going for it, but then just pulls up and slides slides it ever over. Oh, so delicately to Ron Hainsey for an open net. Just a thing of beauty. And then the next goal. I mean, you, you really like to see this is what Babcock is talking about when he says heavy hockey. Patrick Marlowe creates the turnover behind, oh, pretty much behind Vancouver's net. Um, Tavares is able to swoop around and grab it. Nice little, I don't even, he didn't put much on the pass, but he didn't need to because Morgan Riley's just steaming in and he just pounds it at the net. Didn't, kind of fluttered a little bit. It somehow got past Markstrom, who had a solid game other than that one goal. But a nice little 2 nothing through the second period. And then to finish it off, um, Nylander had a nice chance at the near the end of the period, but that, Frederick Anderson save on Bo Horvat. I thought that just extinguished the Canucks after that. I was feeling so confident. But then, this third period just, I mean, to start, I don't know. 
think they just mailed it in pretty much because, well, everyone, I think, Fred mailed it in. I mean, that goal by Erickson, the backhander, ace. He wants that one back. Probably wants this whole third period to overtime back. Um, one thing I did notice, Adam Gaudet, a lovely zone entry on this one. Uh, he was a Hobie Baker winner last year. Not exactly the most ideal rookie season this year, but uh, we'll see how he rebounds next year. Um, and then this gold open goal. I mean, poetic justice. Just of all people to score a tying goal in the third period. But Josh Levo, the guy who just scratched central. Oh, the lottery ticket. Just ripping one. I mean, nice play by Gold Dobin. Skate to stick on the zone entry. And you could tell that Muzzin on this one didn't think that Gold Dobin was going to be able to control that pass because he cut all the way over. Left his side, cut all the way over to try to stick check uh, Gold Dobin on this one. But Gold Dobin just shows off his skill and why he was a first rounder back in the day. Nice little slick slide over to Levo who just ripped it and remind Leafs Nation, yeah, I can I can play. I can play. I can bring it. Um after that I think the Leafs came out hard. Canucks came out hard too. It was a little bit of back and forth in that third period after that atrocious start. Um but then the, even the overtime Fred, I mean, all three goals that Frederick Anderson gave up in this game, I mean, were just shots. When you look at them, the shots that they put far side and just went in. This Adler goal was kind of ugly. Um, but overall in this game, although they there was points where they weren't putting forth their best effort, I'd, I'd just walk away. I'd clean, play with a... I mean, I'd clean the slate on this one. It wasn't great but it wasn't terrible and they walked away with a point that's all that matters walked away with one point i mean five out of potential six on this road trip not too bad not too bad not perfect but not too bad uh, i really did like how the leafs when they were using their speed in this game just m they made the canucks defense look like they were put they had their boots on the wrong feet I mean, when you look at it, capping in a couple solid chances just by skating in a straight line. Marner, a couple solid chances. Again, just straight skating faster than them. Um, even Matthews, he had a couple decent shots in this one. I mean, he didn't have the most ideal uh, road trip out west. And he, he, two points in his last six games is not great. But he played okay in this Vancouver game. And even against the Oilers, I didn't mind the way he played i mean it's just he's gonna score monday mark my words he's gonna score against the uh, lightning if not he's gonna get an apple um nylander was buzzing in this one a couple solid chances off his shots um nice feed to patrick marlowe in this one again he, that's a guy didn't put up i think he only had one or two points through these three games but he i thought he played pretty damn well against in this uh, Western swing here. Uh, Markstrom was solid for the Canucks. Anderson played two periods of really good hockey in this one. But, I mean, the Canucks just call it out them or out cliche, insert cliche term here. Uh, but not, I wouldn't dwell on the, that game too, too much. The Oilers won. 
in the Oilers game, um, traded chances in the first period. They didn't come out with as... I mean, thank God they didn't come out with a weak effort like they did the last time they played the Oilers. But it was pretty decent. A uh, little bit of back and forth in the first period. Uh, they jumped ahead to those th- three uh, three goal, a nice little three goal lead. Uh, Morgan Riley, a seeing eye shot on that goal. John Tavares. I mean, and you expect breakaway goals to be lovely from a guy that has thirty eight goal tucks this year, but he just, just kind of jammed it at, jammed it in the net. Didn't quite fit, so he just put the circle peg in the square hole with uh, with a hammer Nylander showing off some skill nice cross crease to Muzzin who buried a that was some lovely Sugo on that one um, Anderson was making some great saves all game um, Dreisaitl and McDavid I mean up until that third period they weren't on the score sheet yet until what minute something left in the third period but they were getting their chances I mean, Leon Dreisaitl, I mean, you could say, oh, he plays with McDavid. This guy creates his own chances. He's a hell of a player. Worth every penny of that $8.5 million contract, in my opinion. And then the one notable thing about this game, though, that last little part there, where the Oilers scored two, and then Zach Cassian, which I'm going to get back to that in one second, just almost, he had a pretty good chance on that one. And... The, uh, I think with a less than a, a minute left. But when you look at it, like Zach Cassian oh, could could have tied the game. But why is Zach Cassian on the ice? What what is he doing there? I think that just like speaks to an overarching problem that the Oilers have had this year. Zach Cassian has well under, well under a point every other game. I mean, he's having a better year than last year, but 20 points in 65 games, and he's out there, you're expecting him to score a goal? Like, do you squeeze oranges and expect apple juice? It's just not going to happen. I know, like, he was out there for a lot of that last little dying part. And I don't know what the hell they thought they were he was going to do. Like, Zach Cassian, sure. Good fourth liner. Nice grit guy to have. Lots of character for the locker room. But to score goals? Pump the brakes on that one a little bit, will ya? Um, I really did like that the Leafs did have a good start. My final notes on this one. They had a better start than usual. Uh, Matthews and Janssen didn't get on the score sheet, but had a couple, both of them had a couple really good chances. They led the team in possession too. Um, Kadri, not a bad return to the lineup. Uh, It was a really strong 58 minutes by the Leafs. Uh, Just, holy, almost gave everyone a heart attack in those last two little minutes there. Um, I really did like Frederick Anderson's game in this one. McDavid and Drysaddle were just—they were buzzing, but Frederick stood very tall, very wide, very brick-like in this one. Um, so those were those three games. Uh, the, the little Western road trip, Western wagon trip, because that's what this team is. Um, my player of the week for the Leafs—it came pretty tough because. He may not have led the Leafs in points this week because he had zero against Edmonton, but I'd definitely give it to Mitch Marner in this one. 
He was lights out against Calgary. He had a couple fantastic chances in Vancouver and an incredible assist. Short-handed assist, too. He's supposed to be the skill guy. Short-handed assist in this one. Uh, John Tavares did have five points to Mitch Marner's four. I thought Tavares also was terrific this week. But, I mean, when you're looking at it, I think I really I liked more of what I saw from Marner's three-point game in Calgary and one-point game in Vancouver than I did from Tavares's three-point game in Ed- Edmonton. Uh, yeah, in Edmonton versus uh, Moses solid game in Vancouver. We'll say again. Uh, you could pretty much say either or in that one. Uh, both were fantastic. Both play on the same damn line, so it doesn't really matter. You can call it whoever, but I think player of the week for the Leafs in this one was for this little roadie was damn well Mitch Marner. Uh, looking forward, a little bit of a tough schedule. I mean, the Lightning, which. Very given my thoughts on them. Um, and then after that, the Blackhawks are in town too. And then who the Blackhawks, I mean, they haven't been too shabby. They got some talent on that team. Ever heard of that uh, Patrick Kane kid? I hear he's okay. Uh, and then Philadelphia, who's been hot as of late. Their goalies have figured out that you're supposed to get in front of the puck and keep it out of the back of the net. And then... I mean, Ottawa's not Ottawa's an AHL team, but it's a back-to-back, and they're going from Toronto, traveling into Ottawa. So you never know. That's the this the circumstances surrounding that situation make it a little bit more tough than the actual team that they're playing against. So I think that pretty much covers about everything. Have yourselves an average Monday. Not too good. Or else the rest of the week is just downhill.